All right, so today the title of my message is uh, to relate and to rule. And uh, it's basically like means to uh, relate like uh, as in like a relationship and also to rule like, you know, like you were a king or something like that. So, okay, thank you for that. All right, so I have a question for you. It's a rhetorical question for those that know what that means. That means you do not answer this question, but it's just something for you to think about. Um, and I want to just paint a, uh, like a picture in your mind. Um, can you imagine getting to heaven and seeing a sea of glass, right? It's beautiful. A road that is paved with, like, gold, right? Um, trees that have, like, anybody have, like, a favorite fruit? Mango, right? Pineapple, all that. Uh, I've all, passion fruit? Canepa, okay. That's the weird one over there. <laughs> Yeah. So if you can imagine that those those uh, tree with your most favorite fruit, but it's not even tainted. It's like the Avatar fruit. You know, you're in the movie Avatar when the guy bites into the fruit. You're like, I don't know what fruit that is, but that's the type of fruit I want to eat. You know. Um, so if you can imagine your house in heaven, it's pr- like uh, on the beach. For some, maybe it'll be in the in um like on a river or on a, a lake or or whatever. Or maybe it's snowing off of a mountain. For me, it would be like on a beach, but it would be like 75 degrees, right? It would be perfect. It never gets hot. Like, it's not like Florida at all. Um, 75 degrees, no more pain. There's no more, there's no more hurt. Like, if you got hurt on your leg, you just like, oh, it doesn't even bleed. It just heals instantly. You know, like, it's almost like you're bionic or something like that. Like, can you imagine this, right? And I want to paint this picture. All these things are great. Who would want to go to a place like this? Everybody, right? Right? So the thing is, would you still want to go to that place if God was not there? You know? The answer probably is no. Maybe some for some, it might be yes. But even to, to ask you even further, how if God was not there and you did in your heart say, yeah, you still would want to go there, would you want to go there if no people were, were there? You know, and, and now really think it to yourself. Most likely, the answer is probably 99.9%. You might have that one person uh, that might say it for just shock value. But in reality, if you examine your, yourself and examine, nobody would want to be alone. Matter of fact, when, when, when you, when you ha- examine like a prison, has anybody ever seen a show for like prison or jail or anything like that? I think on Netflix, me and my wife were watching this one, like, from different countries or some toughest prisons or something. Um, the worst criminals are always in this place called solitary confinement, right? Why is that, if you think about it? Because we have, like, an innate nature to, to have a relationship with people, right? And the worst thing that you physically could do to a human is to separate them from that, from a person, can you imagine, like, it's like if I say I love my wife but never talk to her, you would call me a liar, right? You would call me, oh, that guy is, ugh, what a harsh guy. Matter of fact, ugh. <laughs> Ew, John. So, yeah, so, so we are built to be relational, right? Um, so we also were, were built to kind of rule or have dominion, right? So I like to take it into the, I don't have the verse, but in the first book of, of Genesis, the second book of Gen, uh, second chapter of Genesis, you can read it later when you get home. It basically, I'm just going to paraphrase, so I'm not going to go into the verses. I'll go into some other verses. But for this one, 
in the book of Genesis, in chapter 2, God has already created the world. He's already done, um, created like the oceans, the animals, all this stuff. And then he creates man or Adam, the first man, right? He gives him a, um, he, he tells in the Bible, it says that it, is not, it wasn't good for him because Adam was tasked to count animals, to, to name these animals, right? But yet he's seeing a chicken with the mate. He's seeing an eagle with the mate. He's seeing everything to have a relationship, but he couldn't have a relationship with these animals because they couldn't speak, right? They weren't the same kind as him. They were different kind. They were animals. He was a human, right? So God saw this from, from his infinite wisdom and said, you know what? It's not good for him to be alone. So he provided him a helpmate, uh, Eve, right? Um, and um, thank God for that because I love my wife. But um, so, yeah, so um, God knew in his infinite wisdom that it was not good for a man to be alone or a woman to be alone as well. So... Um, in Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 4, 9 through 12, I think I have it up there. Okay. And it says it like this. It says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, who will withstand him? A there, a, man, I got, I chose the wrong version. And threefold uh, cord is not quickly broken. So here in, in Ecclesiastes, it describes. Um, multiple uh, illustrations of how, how two people are greater. Everybody knows strength in numbers, right? If you, if you, that's why people go into gangs. Usually people that um, come from the inner city or come from a bad family don't have like that relationship with their family. So they, they not all the time, but a lot of times they gravitate to, towards groups. Why? Because they feel admiration. They feel love. They feel security. Things that you feel within your family. People that gravitate towards the gang life usually also uh, know the fact, the fact that strength in numbers, right? So if someone's going to get jumped, I don't want to get too ghetto on you. Um, if someone's going to get jumped, you're going to have more than one. And here in the Bible, it says a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Three people are better than two. Four people are better than three, and so on. So here the verses are talking about the importance of not being alone. Different people rate how they feel, right? So if there was a scale, some people you might ask one person, they might be two identical twins in a family, go through the same type of scenarios, same situations. One person, one twin might feel completely alone and lonely in their life. And the other twin might feel completely the opposite. See, there's a difference between isolation and loneliness, right? In the Bible, it describes Jesus as going out regularly in the morning to pray. He would, he would wake up in the morning. I don't know how early in the morning, but I, who's a morning person? Raise your hand. Nobody. Not one of us. Okay, including myself. I'm not a morning person. Maybe one person in the back. 
But Jesus, there's, a, there's an element of it, right, um, that, that Jesus knew. It's almost like a secret. Like, he knew that, like, I'm going to get up before even, even like, my, my disciples or my, the people that I'm, I'm having a relationship with. I need time alone, separate from these people, to be with God. So Jesus would regularly in the morning go and isolate himself. So isolation is being alone but almost like on purpose, right? There's a big contrasting difference than loneliness, which is most is that feeling of being alone, but it's mostly not on purpose, right? Yeah. You know, and I, I'll just give you an example of my own personal life. I remember me, um, you know, always having a lot of friends in high school and because and, um, I played basketball and, I, you know, always had a lot of friends. Um, and then I gave my life to the Lord when I was about uh, 19, almost 20 years old. I, it was uh, 2005. And um, uh, what do you call it? Um, I just remember losing a lot of my friends and feeling this overwhelming loneliness. I don't know if anyone can relate, but I'm just talking about myself, yeah. right? And so... Um, and then I, I just started becoming like, I didn't want nothing to do with, with uh, the world at all. Like, I went from, like, being in the world to not even want nothing to do with it. I, om- I was always get like, a, a fade haircut, right? I came to a point, I think I went too extreme because I was like, I don't even want to get a haircut. God doesn't like lineups. You know, it might be too much, you know? And so the thing is, like, even in, in the Christian realm, I started having friends, but but I couldn't connect with anybody at the church that I was going to at the time. And I can remember praying to God and being like, God, like, you saved me for what? Like, you saved me to not be around, like, be lonely, you know, and not crying to God and being like, like, these people think I'm weird now. Like, even the Christian people are judging me that I'm too Christian, you know? And so, so a lot of times loneliness is that overwhelming feeling of being alone but not not a choice, right? And so little did I know, like, if I look back at my life at that point, I was closer to the God. God put a, a rapid course, like, for, for me to just be with him. It was all planned. God eventually provided me with friends, you know, because I'm cool. No, I'm joking. No, but the reality is God eventually gave me a group of people that I can, and it wasn't a lot. I remember Walking life with one or two guys, you know, that, that we got saved around the same time. And actually, one of my best friends got saved around the same time. So God will provide one or two friends. A lot of times when I was in high school, and, and you guys that are in school right now, you guys, you guys are surrounded by a plethora of friends, a lot of friends. But not everybody is your friend. Not everybody knows your middle name. Not even your best friend might know your middle name. You might want to disclose that tonight. But loneliness, right? So isolation and loneliness. God, God regularly went alone to pray, and that is good. Isolation is good, but loneliness is not very good. All right, so um, if you were tasked to build a house from scratch, could you do it alone? Some say no. I say yes. That is not a true question. I'm sorry. But the reality is yes, but it will take you longer. So why would you? Right. And so the reality is the need for people. I don't know how long Noah took uh, took a couple hundred years or something like that, but times were different. Um, So anyways, but like you could build a house, but it will take you longer. So why would you want? Right. So 
a lot of times, like, um, a lot of times people have uh, problems with asking for help, right? I don't know if you're that type of person that says, you know what, I'll do, I'll do, put everything on me, forget everyone else, like, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I'll take on that burden. I don't know about you, but I was that person. I remember at 22 years old, I played basketball, right? I ruptured my Achilles tendon playing basketball because I jumped so high that it just ruptured. I thought this guy behind me, we're playing this game called knockout for the know, the know how to play. So you shoot the ball and the guy behind you, if he makes it in. So I missed, I go to get a rebound and all I hear is like a gunshot. I thought I was in the hood or something like that. All I hear is like this gunshot and it ended up being my tendon. So I had to get surgery and for six months I was in a cast. I had a job as a file clerk. I think I was like, 19 or 20. It was like my first job out of college. I was making $10, $12 an hour or whatever. $10, I think. And um, with the cost of inflation, no, I'm joking. <laughs> that equals $11 an hour now. So, no, but, <laughs> no, but like, I, I had a pretty good job. Like, it was just like for the time. I had no bills. So, uh, like, God provided this situation of me getting injured, Right? Because I was that type of person that I was describing to you. I was that type of person that was like, you know what, all me. No, 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 I don't need nobody help. I don't need, no, I don't need anyone's help. Just leave me alone. God provided me because I couldn't even get a plate of rice. My mom would make delicious food. She's like, can I? And I can't do it with crutches. So I couldn't get a plate and crutch along, right? So my mom had to serve me. My, my sister had to serve me. My dad had to serve me. I had to ask people for help. I lost a lot of weight. I think I should break my foot again because I need to. <laughs> no, but the reality is like, like God used that scenario, right? God used that scenario in my life to, to, to help me be like, to depend on people because it is necessary. So what are some things that kind of prevent us from that? The first one is pride, what I had at that time, right? And maybe still have because I still like, I still struggle with like, no, 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 don't worry about it. I got it. I'll do the dishes. I'll, no, I got it, got it. I have to ask people for help, and I, I, I'm better now. So, but pride, that's a big problem. Another thing is the thought, the, the thought process that you are alone. If you are alone, no one can hurt you, which is a lie. Just because you say, you know what, this, I've been hurt in the past or whatever, and um, if I allow this person in, they're going to hurt me. Guess what? People on social media can hurt you. They don't even know who you are. They could tell you, you post a picture and they say, oh, that person with the pimple or, or that person or what? Ugh, look at this. People hate, right? Yeah. And so that, that's, a, that's a faulty understanding that I'm not going to allow people to see me because I will get hurt, which is not true. Another, the third one would be a poor understanding of what God created us for. God created us for that very purpose, to relate and to, to, to have dominion. All right. And so I want to paint a picture. I opened up my, my discuss, this discussion, right, with, with what heaven would be like if you can picture it. What is heaven going to be like for real? God, in, when we get to heaven, there's going to be this corporate worship First is going to be complete silence, which is going to be like in total awe of God, which is amazing. 
But it's going to be like this utter just worshiping with all of us here, right? Everyone that's accepted Jesus in their heart is going to have, just going to be there with you. And we're going to have this complete, like, no void within the heart. That void that you feel right now is completely gone. Like, just utter love, so like almost like a saturation. Can you imagine it? So even in heaven, we'll be having relationships. Or in the Bible, it says, let me put, put this. In the Bible, it says, you'll not give in, in. When they ask Jesus, like, who would be someone's wife? But it says that nobody, they will not be given in marriage. So there's no relationship that way. But there's relationships with God and relationships with us. We'll be like brothers and sisters. All right, so in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, it says this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him. How many people have anxieties or struggle with anxiety, Right? Here in the Bible, it says, cast your anxieties on him, right? Talking about God, because he cares for you. How amazing that verse is. But it's, it goes on. It says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. How many know that the enemy of, your, of our souls is looking for an entrance? It's similar to like that thief on the outside of your house, right? That, that's trying to break in. If you don't got that ring doorbell, you're messed up. You don't, you, you're, it's getting 100%, you're getting broken in. But they're looking at the door, right? Is it locked? That's the first thing they do. Even your car, right? Look at the door, check the, check the door first thing. Okay, let me go around, let me check a window. That's how, that's how the enemy of our souls is, right? He's, he, he says, okay, your front door is open, your eyes are open. Your, your window's open. Like, he, he goes in a different method. He's seeking almost like a lion. I love how it doesn't call him a lion because there's only one lion, and that's God. But, but it says almost like a lion. Have you ever seen, like, those Ge- National Geographics, like a lion just ready to pounce? That's how Satan or the devil is upon trying to, to, to look for someone to devour. In verse 9, it says, resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And look at this. The enemy of your soul looks for an entry way to your soul, right? But the number one, one of the reasons, one of the things that the enemy of your soul loves to do, Satan, he loves to say, you're the only one struggling with that. You're the only one that that is going through that same situation. You're the only one with a jacked up family. You're the only one. And he loves to isolate people, right? But that is a lie from from the enemy. He says, you are not the only one. He says, and at this time, in this context, Peter is describing like this overall like persecution. People were dying. Christians were dying at the time. That's when he's talking about suffering, he's talking about literal suffering. And so he says, resist him firm in your faith, verse 9, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world, verse 10. And after you have suffered a little while, the God, let me just stop right there. Suffering is promised. I think Jonathan, man, he's been, man, he's killing it. He's been talking about suffering, I think, in the past couple of weeks. But it's like, we're, it's almost promised, right? 
It's like, and suffering might not just be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be at the stake on fire. Suffering could be so many different things, different emotional situations you might be going through. And he says, after you have suffered for a while. So it's even, I remember, oh, no, I'm not even going to that. Anyway, sorry. So, so for a little while, right? So he himself will restore. God himself will restore. That's so beautiful. And he says, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will, will himself confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. God has the ultimate dominion. Uh, one, of, uh, one of my favorite verses is in Colossians uh, chapter 1. I think I have it there, but you don't have to go to it. It talks about the, 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 the supremacy of Christ. It says he's before all. He's, he's before all. I have it right here. Verse 15, chapter First uh, Colossians 1.15. It says the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Verse 16. For in him all things were created. Every single thing was created for, for Jesus. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and from him. For he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn among the dead. Okay, let's stop right there. God has the supremacy. Jesus has the supremacy. Why does he have the supremacy? First of all, he's, he's always had the supremacy. The Bible says he humbled himself to become like you. I want you to even think about that. Jesus humbled himself to even be like you. That's crazy. God in heaven, Jesus in heaven, knowing no sin, humbles himself to take the form of, a, of his creation. That's similar to like you create like this little Pinocchio thing or whatever, and then you try to become it. That's incredible. That's mind-boggling, insane. But God chose to do it. Why? Because in the beginning, when I was talking about Adam and Eve, they disobeyed. They ate from the fruit, the tree that God forbid, right? And it's sin entered into the world, and Jesus paid the price on the cross. And so that's why he has supremacy. That's why he has authority. This, ver this verse, these verses have a lot of um, weight to my own life. I remember always struggling when I was younger about, like, being afraid. I used to sleep with the TV on. Anybody sleep with the TV on? Yeah? I, I couldn't have, like, my mind was always racing. My, I needed some type of white noise. But I had a lot of fear in my life, right? So I remember just um, always need, feeling that need, you know, and, and um, you know, Spiritual attacks, you know, I'm not going to go into that, but just the enemy already knowing that he had a purpose for my life, but trying to destroy me, right? And just fear would just be upon my life. And I remember these verses, God just showing me these verses. The Bible classifies spirit of fear, right? And here it says every single spirit bows down to him. So I picture him, like I picture the spirit of fear just coming into those doors right now and just having to place fall on his knees before Jesus. That's dominion. That's power. But the thing is, it's not just that. It's loneliness. It's anxiety. It's whatever situation that you might be going through at the moment, it has no dominion. 
We have the dominion. For anyone in Christ has that dominion. All right, so... So a lot of times, like, um, just because you become, like, a Christian doesn't mean that your life life um, changes right, right away, right? And there's this process of sanctification. I think they call it something different right now. But the Spirit of God indwells on you that first moment, right? And I envision it like this for those that know anything about cars, right? And I'll, if for those that don't, I'll paint a portrait that you can really kind of understand it. So within every single vehicle, right? There's a, there's a, um, it's called your engine. I don't want to go that basic. But there, within the engine, there's this thing called a cylinder, right? In the cylinder, there's a piston, which is a cylinder thing within the cylinder. And there's a connecting rod. That connecting rod is connected to, camp shop, I don't go too much. But on the top of that cylinder, there's a spark plug, right? On that spark plug, there's valves that open and let air and gas in, Right? And the spark plug ignites the air fuel mixture and pushes that piston up and down for a revolution. So that's where you see RPMs on your car. That's how many thousands of revolutions that it's going, right? So the, sometimes when, you, when you've already um, received God, so you're, you're dead. Your engine is completely, like, blocked. It's not even running. The moment that the Holy Spirit comes upon your life, it's almost like that spark plug upon your life, and now the piston is moving. It moves up and down, right? And so the thing is, the valves on the top, so you can, it is possible to be a Christian, right? Having awakened inside of you, before you didn't even know that you were sinning. Now you're aware that you're sinning. But it is possible to still be sinning which is crazy, but that, that's just the reality. So that the, 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 the piston, the, your engine is already going, but it's not, you're not living an effective life. You're not living an efficient life. See, what happens in, the, in the, the cylinder is that if there's too much air or there's too much gas in the cylinder, your gas mileage goes down. You're going to get a check engine light. Anybody got check engine light or their mom or dad had a check engine light in their car? I'm the only one? Okay. I took it straight to, to AutoZone. They put in the little plug it in, and they tell me my fuel and air mixture is messed up. I need a CO2 sensor. So the reality, the reason I say this is that air and fuel is similar to like the, the air is almost like the, your worship, your prayer life, right? The, the fuel mixture, fuel is almost like um, the word of God in your life. So it is possible to have like your piston moving, but guess what? You're going 1,000 RPM. God wants you at 10,000. He wants you to redline. And so there's so much things to even talk about this analogy. I was going to talking to my wife. I was like, I'm going to talk about octane. I'm going to talk about, you know, man, like compression ratio. No, no, that's all. Think about that. that that's all I want to say about that. Like, think about it. You're, you're like almost like an engine, and God wants you to be just on fire for him. What prevents us from that, though, right? Think about it. Fear, fear of what other people might think. It's always, it's always something with, with people, though, if you think about it. The, the number one fear in the world, people think is death, but it's public speaking. Why? Because you're afraid of what people might think. We are so relational to the point of not our detriment, but to the point where 
We, we fear what other people think. We're part of a community, you know, and God wants to just break all, all thought processes off. Maybe you're struggling with loneliness. God, in the name of Jesus, just canceled that loneliness out of your heart. Like, think of it like it having to bow down before the supremacy of Christ. Maybe you're struggling with, like, maybe you are a Christian, you're struggling with sin. Everyone struggles with sin. The enemy will say that you're the only one, but you're not. I guarantee you you're not. God wants us to be free. Yeah, I want to uh, read this. Um, uh, I think it's uh, chapter 5, Freedom in Christ. You guys got that? I think it's um, Galatians. You got that? Verse 5, or chapter 5, verse 1 of, of Galatians. It says this, um, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. It's powerful. Mark my words, exclamation point. <laughs> I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. I won't go into that, but there's a deeper meaning behind that. Again, I declare to you, every man who lets himself, let me just go on. <laughs> Verse 7. You were running a good race. Who cut in you, who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? What kind of persecution does not come from the one who calls you? A little yeast works into the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who has thrown you into confusion, whoever that, that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching, okay, I don't want to go into that. There's freedom in Christ. You know, and, and you are not the only one. The Bible makes that clear. God desire, wants us to be united. He wants us to have a relationship. He does not want us to be isolated. God wants us not only to be free or that piston within our lives to just run at 10,000 RPMs. He wants us to have our worship with him. Think about, I always, this is the third time I'm mentioning heaven. The first thing we're going to do is worship. Think about that. He's glorious. He's worthy. Just uh, everybody close their eyes. I just want to pray this over you. Father, I come before you and I thank you, Lord. I pray, Father, for every single person here, Lord, that you just may just have a richly blessed blessing over them, Lord. Holy Spirit, I pray that if there's anyone here that doesn't have that doesn't have that 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 piston running or if if their engine is ceased that you may spark them lord spark us spark all of us lord 
God, it's like a basketball team, Lord, or any team, Lord, we're as strong as our weakest person, Lord. It's not about us or myself, Lord. It's about us, Lord. It's about all of us, God. I pray for you, Holy Spirit, to just do your work and your will, Lord. If there's anybody with condemnation or if the enemy is placed saying to you that you're not worthy, you've sinned too much, that is a lie from the enemy. You have not sinned too much. The fact that you want to be forgiven is the fact that you have not sinned enough. God wants to restore you. God wants to live inside of you. The Bible describes us as like a priesthood, Lord. Like a priesthood, we are to be holy. Sanctify us, Lord. Holy Spirit, move within us. And if anybody is struggling with, with depression, Lord, let it just be surrendered at the feet of Jesus. You have supremacy, Father. Oh, Jesus. Let us forget like our former way of life. Give us new friends, Father. Friends that are going to love us and, and, and lift us up, not friends that are going to drive us down, Lord. God, we have dominion because you have dominion. We have authority because you have authority. God, but apart from love, there is nothing. Apart from love, there's a, it's a resounding symbol. God, so I pray for love for every single one of us, God. It's not about anyone. It's about you and us as a group, Lord. Oh, Holy Spirit, I believe that you're going to do something tonight, Lord. Oh, Lord, I believe you're going to do something. Oh, awaken us, Father. Awaken us. Awaken our spirits. Awaken us that we may be contagious, Lord. Awaken us that we may be able to be on fire, that when one catches on fire, we all catch on fire. Oh, Father, I give you honor, I give you praise, and I pray that this message falls on good soil, Lord, that we may remember it, Lord. May you receive all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. In the name of Jesus, amen.